Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara and welcome to The Bay. Local news to keep you rooted. People's Park looks much different than how locals might remember it. This once public, green space, and symbol of Berkeley's history of protest, resistance, and mutual aid is now surrounded on all sides by shipping containers. But not before protests by defenders of the park who came face to face with police in riot gear in an attempt to stop UC Berkeley from closing off the area in order to build student housing. They've mutilated what it was, but like, give me the park how it was four or five years ago. Like, that was beautiful. I don't know why we can't work toward restoring that. Since its founding in 1969, People's Park has always been a contested space. UC Berkeley has tried to take back control of the land for years. But this time around, the university is closer than it's ever been to doing what it wants with the land. We're looking at taking more than just 1,100 students with this project alone out of the private Berkeley rental market. So that not only helps our students, but helps raise up over a thousand units of housing for the broader Berkeley community. Today, the latest battle over People's Park. This is the university's latest attempt to prepare the land for development. Vanessa Roncano is a housing reporter for KQED. It was pretty wild to see what the park looked like after law enforcement had cleared it early that Thursday morning. There was a ton of law enforcement. Like at one point, this phalanx of officers was like 20 or 30 all in riot gear. They had helmets, face shields, these padded vests, pads strapped to their arms and legs. They were carrying batons. Meanwhile, these enormous shipping containers are getting stacked uh, along the edge of the park. And inside, the park itself had largely been raised. There were these huge piles of debris. Trees that had been cut down were piled up. Heavy machinery in their tire tracks all over the place. And you could see some remnants of the people who'd spent time there. Like, I saw a crumpled Palestinian flag on the ground, and it was weirdly quiet, kind of eerily quiet. And then around 11 a.m., more protesters started showing up outside the barricade on Telegraph, 
you know, around 100 people chanting and passion speeches and the hundred feet or so behind these barricades there was just a line of officers in riot gear facing the protesters who'd you talk to while you were at the park vanessa one of the people i talked to was enrique marisol they're 23 years old and just graduated from cal i live two blocks down i mean i've slept in the park a lot i've been homeless for sporadic periods myself, but um, I currently have an apartment, yeah. The night before I met Enrique, they were in the park, in the building that functioned as the kitchen with a few other people, when they got a call that law enforcement was on the way. And then I heard a bunch of screaming and yelling from outside, and before I could even, like, climb back up to get out of the kitchen, there was two more people climbing in and slamming the door behind them, and, like, we locked it. They said they were surrounded by law enforcement. Officials started using a chainsaw to try to get into this building. They, they were hitting screws and stuff, so it was causing sparks and smoke and flames. And, like, we had a fire extinguisher in there because, obviously, it's a kitchen. We need to be prepared. Um, so I picked up the fire extinguisher, and I was holding it, like, pointing it at where they were cutting because that's where the flames were coming from. One of the law enforcement officials then pointed a a gun, a rifle, I think they said, at them. They had cut a hole, like a little window where they could look through. And when I was holding up the extinguisher, one of the police pointed his rifle like in my face and told me to drop the extinguisher and put my hands up. So we were just like standing there. It was very scary for them and they did end up getting arrested. Especially if you're in Berkeley, you're probably very familiar with People's Park and the role it's played in Berkeley's radical history. But just remind us, why is what's happening to this plot of land in Berkeley so contentious in this city specifically? This space has been contested since its creation. The university bought this plot of land Back in 1967, initially they intended to build some kind of playing field on it. They didn't get very far before they ran out of money. And then this lot just sat empty and became sort of a dumping ground. And then a couple years later, 1969, this group of locals, young people, hippies, artists, they planted trees and flowers and made it into a park. I'm Chief Beal of the Berkeley Police Department. At five minutes of nine, we declared this to be an unlawful assembly. There is no permit for this meeting. The university tried to take it back, and there were these major protests that have gone down in history. There was a lot of tear gas. Someone ended up getting killed. Governor Ronald Reagan at the time called in the National Guard. And really, ever since then, the fight over the future of this park has existed in some form. The university has made other attempts to build, and the park, meanwhile, has acted as this site of protest and community organizing. The fight for the park has often been tied to bigger fights against what I think people see as a uses of state power, like 
anti-Vietnam protests, freedom in South Africa. And out there today, you hear people talking about Gaza. Okay, so it, it has that history and its sort of roots in Berkeley's radical history. But the university, as you were just saying, has always wanted to use this land for something else. What does the university plan to build on this land exactly? UC Berkeley is planning to build a housing complex. It would include apartments for about 1,100 students, plus some permanent supportive housing for very low income and formerly unhoused people. This particular effort goes back to around 2018, and the plan does call for leaving about two-thirds of the space as a park, but a much more developed park that includes like cement walkways and, and some kind of tribute to the park's history. And what does the university say about why it wants to build on this land now? They say this is primarily about the fact that there's a dire housing shortage in California and a student housing shortage. UC Berkeley has the lowest percentage of beds for students of any campus in the UC system. At this point, uh, we've had a very successful morning. Uh, We are closing the park, and our goal is to close the park and not pause this operation. Kyle Gibson is the communications director for the university. And yeah, he talks about the need for student housing. He says they are building on other available sites, um, but that they really have to move on every piece of land that they have the potential to build on because the, the situation is so serious. The housing we're looking at building here, including at People's Park, is for the students who are already here. And I would emphasize part of the reason that we're doing that is not for enrollment growth, but we're looking at taking more than just 1,100 students with this project alone out of the private Berkeley rental market. That's the main thing, but they also argue that this is about safety. They point to this increase in criminal activity in People's Park in the last few years or so. We need to close the site for public safety when construction begins. And the best time to do that is at a moment when there is as few people around as possible so we can basically control the streets like we are currently doing. These are large vehicles, large pieces of equipment. And doing this at a time when our students and a lot of the city of Berkeley population are not around is a good thing. There have been unhoused folks on this land for a long time. But during the pandemic, there was a real change, um, an encampment of the kind that we had not seen previously on this park developed. And there were complaints, you know, the way that we see complaints about encampments all over the state. And this has become part of their argument um, for why the project is necessary. Coming up, why UC Berkeley might be closer than it's ever been to building housing on People's Park. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. 
the land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Well, I mean, Vanessa, if you're a student in the Bay Area, I feel like you know very well the need for housing, how difficult it can be to find housing. And I I know that the university tried to break ground on this development before, including back in August of 2022. Can you remind us briefly what happened then and how this moment compares? There were big protests back then. People tore down the fencing around the park that the university had had put up. They vandalized construction equipment in there. A handful of people were arrested. And ultimately, a court order was issued that temporarily halted construction. Why does it seem like the university is actually getting closer to actually starting development on this land this time around? This project has been mired in legal challenges for years. And it now looks like the university may have gotten a break. Um, There's this case moving through the state Supreme Court that stems back to a 2021 lawsuit. We're arguing that the university should have considered alternative sites for this project. An appeals court sided with them and said that student noise in this housing complex could violate the state's environmental law, CEQA. What's happened since then is that Assemblymember Buffy Wicks introduced a piece of legislation that Governor Newsom signed this past fall that seems like it could clear the way for this housing to go forward. And a lot of people think that it undermines the appeals court's ruling. So we still got to wait for a decision. Um, The university can't start building until we have one, but it looks like they're in a better position than they have been um, in years. I think you can see from the pretty major action that they're taking here that they are really uh, setting themselves up to be able to move as soon as they get a decision, which they... uh, seem to expect is going to go in their favor. Well, Vanessa, I can't imagine that the folks who have been defending People's Park for decades are very happy. Who are the people protesting this project now? And who are the, what are the objections that you're hearing from, from those protesters? It's a mix of... Berkeleyites who know and love the park from growing up with it, folks who have come to Berkeley from all corners and found community in this 
Park, and young people, students, former students. Enrique Marisol was one of them. It's horrible to see what they've done to the park in just the last three years with... I mean, I don't even know how many trees they cut down last night because we haven't been able to go in and do a count, but they cut down 47 last year. They told me something that I heard from a lot of people out there, which is that they they feel like the university has really neglected the park, failed to manage it. They talked about all the trees that have been cut down over the years, a lack of maintenance, and they see this as like a deliberate effort to undermine the park, to make a stronger case uh, for, for developing the land. Like the vast majority of the problems in the park are caused by either larger social problems that occur everywhere or specific actions by the university to undermine the health of the community here. Well, I know you also spoke with someone in student government who has concerns about the university's plan for People's Park. Can you tell me about Nick Grosh? Nick Grosh is a third-year student at Cal, and he chairs the student government's housing commission. I, I'm, I, like I was saying, I'm in support of new housing, but I'm not necessarily in support of the housing that's going on in People's Park. He says the university should have moved on every other possible site available to them first. Um, He talked about feeling like there wasn't enough of an effort to get community input in and buy-in. Students aren't the only group that's invested in that area. Like you said, there's there's a history to it. There are people living on it. And I don't think they were taking into consideration the opinions of those people. And... He expressed doubts that the housing will actually end up being affordable for students. One of the other things that he and other folks have expressed concerns about is the fact that the nonprofit developer that was partnered with the university to build the permanent supportive housing for low income and unhoused folks has pulled out of the project. And the university has yet to select another developer. I mean, Vanessa, this has been an ongoing fight on this land since the 1960s and since the creation of People's Park. In many ways, what we're seeing now seems to be kind of the same fight, but... Do you think it's safe to say that the university is closer than it's ever been to finally building housing on People's Park? It does feel that way. And we'll see what the court decides. We'll see what activists throw at this. But the university is making a stronger stand than we've seen. It looks like they are closer to taking back control of this land than they have been for many decades. What do you think is uh, at the heart of this conflict? I think the park is really meaningful for some people, both symbolically and practically. People talk about finding meaning there in the community that it draws. They see it as a place where outsiders belong. And one of the last remaining vestiges of a radical Berkeley that 
and has largely faded away. When I was a youngster with nowhere to go, and people giving out food and hot soup and rice and beans at people's park. So I went by Monday night to see where things stand. And the disruption of this free speech. And there was a guy in front of one of the barricades performing music, and he was talking about what it had meant for him to be able to come to the park as a young person and get free meals and to be able to perform on the stage in the park. So I think for some people, that's the crux of it. Vanessa, thank you so much. Thank you. That was Vanessa Roncano, a housing reporter for KQED. This 40-minute conversation with Vanessa was cut down and edited by producer Maria Esquinka. Alan Montecilio is our senior editor. He scored this episode and added all the tape. Music courtesy of First Calm Music and Blue Dot Sessions. If you're new to the Bay, welcome. Maybe it is a goal of yours in the new year to be more informed about what's happening in the Bay Area on everything from local politics to schools to climate change. The biggest stories really of our region. I'm here to tell you, you have come to the right place, my friend. If you haven't already, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss a beat. The Bay is a production of member-supported KQED Public Media in San Francisco. I'm Erica Cruz-Guevara. Thank you for listening. Talk to you next time. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.